five, four, three, two, one. Good. When did we abandon seven and six? As we get more professional, we get more efficient. Okay, yeah. Okay, here we are for um, what will be, I think, a pretty quick episode. Um, but it's been a while, so it's good to be back on the mics for a little bit. That's right. We've been busy the past several months. Yeah, Asbury Revival and then... Easter, Youth Retreat for us. I don't even know what's been going on. It's just been a really fast year. Yeah, I had like four work trips in March. I was in Phoenix and then Alabama and then California and then New Jersey. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, I have four corners almost. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, classes have been going well, and I'm really enjoying the worship class. I had an assignment that was due this past week for that class, and I wanted to run some of the specifics of that assignment by you two and discuss it a little bit. What we were tasked to do is to take a book uh, from the second century by St. Irenaeus and do, you know, essentially a, a book review. However, instead of writing it in an academic format, he wanted us to write it as if we were presenting the material to a congregation. So almost like a, think of like a newsletter, maybe like if you were taking the content of this old book and then mm -hmm. helping your people to understand some of it. So I thought that was a cool assignment because it seemed practical. You know, it seemed like something mm -hmm. I would actually do. Mm -hmm. So it, in class, he mentioned that people have gotten creative with this in the past, and some people have actually, you know, added graphic design elements and photos and, and quotes. And uh, I asked if anybody had ever done it in video format. He was like, no, but I think that would be, I think that would work well with this. And I was like, hmm, maybe I'll give that a try because I think if I was in a pastoral role, and I was asked to do something like this, I would probably try to communicate it via video mm -hmm. because it would reach people differently. And I think that a larger amount of people would be more likely to actually check it out. Yeah. And you're in, equipped to do something by video. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. That's probably the biggest reason. Yeah. It's also something that I do. So that's the assignment. Um, I want to send it to you too. It's about eight minutes and have you watch it and we'll play the audio for the listeners. Um, if okay. anyone is able to go to the YouTube channel for this episode specifically, the video will go along that actually has like the quotes in text and stuff a little easier to follow. But I think if you're doing the listening to this in the car or whatever, the audio will be fine. You'll be able to track it. Um, but yeah, let me send that over and then we'll get your thoughts both on the theology and the method and see what you think. Great. Okay. How are you going to start? All right. Uh, I'll post it in the chat now. And then I can finish this piece of toast. How convenient. Hey, I'm Paul, and I'm excited to talk to you this month about a book called The Demonstration of Apostolic Preaching by St. Irenaeus of Lyon. Now, this is an old book. It's actually written in the second century, and I know sometimes we're averse to old content. 
So I wanted to talk about why I think you should care about this book. Just a few reasons. First, the proximity to Jesus. As I said, this was written by St. Irenaeus of Lyons in the second century, meaning that he wrote this within 200 years of when Jesus lived on earth. Irenaeus was heavily influenced by a guy named Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, the disciple of Jesus. So you have Jesus, John, Polycarp, Irenaeus. Also, early Christian writings like this one give us a unique window into the values and concerns of the early church. And we're then able to compare those with where we are today. The second thing is that, in general, I think it's important to not only absorb contemporary content, but to be informed by the rich 2,000-year history of our Christian tradition. And as we do this, I apologize for all the background noise. It's a beautiful spring day and yard work is occurring. Okay, let's get into this. So the introduction is actually quite reminiscent to one of the Apostle Paul's letters. Irenaeus is writing to his friend in the faith, Marcianus, expressing his desire that they be together doing ministry side by side. But since they can't be together, Irenaeus has decided to write to him about preaching. He says this, We send you, as it were, a manual of essentials, so shall it be fruitful to your own salvation, and you shall put to shame all who inculcate falsehood and bring with all confidence our sound and pure teaching. You see, even at this early date, Irenaeus is concerned with false teaching, people who are misrepresenting or perverting the gospel, and he wants to promote sound and pure teaching. He does this by way of three points. First, God the Father, not made, not material, invisible, one God, creator of all things. Second, God the Son, the Word of God, Son of God, Christ Jesus our Lord. And third, God the Holy Spirit. You see, sound and pure teaching, truth, for Irenaeus, is anchored in the persons of the Trinity, the very character of God, God, the supreme reality. So the most essential thing for us Christians is to have a right understanding of God. Number one, God the Father. All creation gives glory to God. And so Irenaeus takes us back to the Garden of Eden. You remember that man was made to be the image of God in creation. And God gives one command in Genesis 2.17. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You probably know the story. Humanity was deceived by Satan into disobeying that command of God. And about Satan, Irenaeus says, So the angel, becoming by his falsehood the author and originator of sin. By way of this comment, he makes clear that sin, pain, brokenness, suffering did not come from God. So from there, Irenaeus walks through the story of God in the biblical narrative. And he moves into point number two by talking about the prophets. He says, Hither were the prophets sent by God through the Holy Spirit, and they instructed the people and turned them to the God of their fathers, the Almighty. And they became heralds of revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Number two, God the Son. So as I said, man was made to be the image of God in creation, but we fell short. 
And so the incarnation is God become a man so that we could perfectly behold his glory in creation. Christ became the new Adam. And in some sense, Mary, the new Eve, and the cross, the new tree. So Christ redeemed the fall. Irenaeus also points out how Christ fulfills the promise to Abraham of the covenant people. Also, Christ fulfilled the promise to David of an everlasting kingdom. And so we see how the Son of God, Jesus, is really all over the Old Testament. But beyond that, he has been present from the beginning, before the world was made. John 1.1 in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In summary, Jesus is God. Irenaeus says this, So then the Father is Lord, and the Son is Lord, and the Father is God, and the Son is God. For that which is begotten of God is God. Irenaeus also goes into a lot of detail, which we don't have time to cover extensively today, about how the prophets foretold Christ, where he would come from, where he would live, his healings, his death, his resurrection. So in summary, says Irenaeus, this is good for us to preach, all the Old Testament and all of creation pointing to Jesus. Number three, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Irenaeus says, fashioned a new way of godliness and righteousness. You see, the life in the Spirit is greater than life under the law, for the miracle of God's Spirit in us is that he transforms our desires. Jeremiah 31, 33, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see, because of this transformation, Irenaeus says, we need not the law as a tutor. For no longer shall the law say, do not commit adultery to him who has no desire at all for another's wife. And thou shalt not kill to him who has put away from himself all anger and enmity. In summary, he's saying that through belief in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, man might be after the image and likeness of God. So in conclusion, Irenaeus writes these words, This, beloved, is the preaching of the truth, and this is the manner of our redemption. And this is the way of life, which the prophets proclaimed, and Christ established, and the apostles delivered, and the church in all the world hands on to her children. This must we keep with all certainty, with a sound will and pleasing to God, with good works and right-willed disposition. So let me ask, how do you think we're doing today as the church, as Christians, in keeping and proclaiming these essential truths? Is our worship oriented in such a way as to acknowledge God the Father is creator? Do we regularly affirm that the Son of God came to earth, the incarnation, which the apostles delivered and the prophets declared beforehand? And are we walking in the Spirit? allowing him to transform our desires to bear fruit in us and through us to the glory of God. This is the challenge that we receive today from St. Irenaeus of the second century. I hope you found this encouraging, and I pray that through this old book, you learn something new about theology and Christian worship. God bless you, and have a great week. 
That was great. Very cool. I took some notes. <laughs> Thanks. This was very experimental uh, for me. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. It ended up taking, I think, way longer than a, just doing it book review form would have, but I learned a lot. I feel like that would be cool to have like an entire series of uh, Church Fathers reviews like that. Mm. It's a cool thought. What other just initial thoughts did you two have? Well, I definitely felt like uh, you were acting a little bit different than you normally do when you talk. <laughs> <laughs> and your gestures and stuff. But mm-hmm. that was my that was definitely the initial initial probably because I was reading because uh, I did it. I did it with a teleprompter to get all the wording right. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah, so I was actually reading instead of just talking off my head. Right. Hmm. I thought I, li- I mean, I like the way you broke it down. Um, I thought the application at the end especially is really good. Like, what does this kind of mean for us? You hear the topic of defending good preaching or like encouragement for preaching you don't my first thought is not that it's going to be so theological Mm -hmm. you know that basically he's saying we need to be sure that we're teaching accurately and then he mostly presents accurate doctrine and says here's what we need to be believing and here's what the truth is about the trinity right so so i really liked um you saying the sort of lineage of discipleship from Jesus to Irenaeus. Mm-hmm. That was compelling to me to think, oh, wow, just four people away, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, he's the fourth. So I guess just two in between them. I yeah. didn't quite understand how the points of the traits of the Trinity correspond with the preaching, though. Yeah, which is what Joel yeah. is saying, yeah. that it's like surprising that that's where he goes with this. Because I was thinking the same thing. If if I was asked today, like, hey, can you send some advice on preaching to somebody? Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't have just talked about, yeah, theology, like you said. Mm-hmm. But it, it does mm-hmm. give an interesting perspective into the essentials for them at that mm-hmm. time. Was just proclaiming the message of the gospel accurately. Yeah, I... The last one, the most, the Holy Spirit, and then as like the importance of being made right through the transformation of desire that I could see is like, okay, this is, this needs to be a major focus of each message, have like a focus on the transformed desires I could see that part. But the other two is I I struggled to see the connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd be curious too, if you were to read the book because it's quite short it's you know it's a letter it's like almost like reading romans or something um it's it's pretty mm-hmm. short but i'd be curious if you were to read through it if you were to would get a some different insights because that's the other side is i don't know if i'm expressing it 100 percent accurately and, and focusing on the best points either yeah i think i mean in the application at the end you said basically as focusing on father the on god the father you said is our preaching like pointing to God as the creator of all basically very worshipful. Um, the focus of positioning ourselves rightly beneath God mm-hmm. and recognizing that he's the ruler, he's on the throne, he's the creator and I don't get to call the shots kind of mm-hmm. mentality. Uh, I think that's really important. And I think 
that is something that needs to be happening in our preaching that God is being, we are, we are being reminded of God's proper place in our lives. Mm. But the focus on the garden is a little bit of a interesting concept for that. Um, the connection between like the fall and the creation of man, woman, I guess to me, it seems like Genesis one would be an easier focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the book, he really goes through the whole biblical narrative talking uh-huh. about God okay. and his interactions with humanity. Okay. So that's good. I mean, he's, he's basically doing a b- biblical narrative survey saying, okay, here's the story of the Bible. Here's how it points us to God. And so this is like, we need to be teaching the whole Bible, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. teaching how God is seen and active throughout the entire biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. One thing that stuck out to me too, is it's interesting to hear how someone goes about this stuff without having the established New Testament as canon. Um, Cause at his time it wasn't. And yet he still quotes Romans, I know for sure, in his letter. Um, So there was an understanding of pieces of the New Testament, Mm -hmm. um, but he mainly is focusing out of the old. I mean, they would have, by his time, they would have had a pretty good, like, set already. Mm. Um, They just didn't have it, like, officially agreed upon by the church as a whole. Right. So does that mean at that time their focus was still more on convincing people that Jesus is the fulfillment of scripture. That's something that I was wondering as I was reading it. But then I started thinking about Paul's letters and the other New Testament letters, which is even earlier than him. And of course, in those, there's a lot of talk about just how do we live as the people of God and in church community. Hmm. Um, So I think there must have been both. Yeah, in my experience, it depends. So Justin is an earlier church father and he has a address to the Jews. And and that one, he spends almost all of his time talking about Jesus's fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Mm. Um, But then he also has an address to the Greeks and he doesn't do that as much. So that could be because they wouldn't be as concerned about that. Right. So that's probably my guess would be it depends on the context. And if they were dealing with Jews, then it would have been a lot of focus on the Old Testament and Jesus fulfilling it Um, with the Greeks. he, He talked a lot about Jesus being like higher and even being the fulfillment of ideals within Greek life. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Kind of like uh, Pastor Masi in India talked about. I mean, that was his a, lot, a big part of his preaching style was how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hindu hmm. ideals. Yeah. Okay. I think the importance in their day of monotheism is also something to keep in mind that a large portion of Christian teaching is there is one God that w- that's not really a very significant like teaching for us these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so our approach is going to be a little bit different, but still the focus on right belief and the way that right belief motivates right action. Uh, I think that, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly like heresy is what was driving a lot of their teaching in that day is correcting false, false beliefs. Um, but I think it's fairly similar today in our preaching, um, just done a little bit different. But we it tend is. to take cultural you know, misunderstandings, like maybe relative truth, 
right now today, and then we'll do maybe a sermon series or a message about how God is truth. Jesus mm-hmm. said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so it's interesting. We do a similar thing. It just yeah. feels less of official or something. No, I really like that point. Official? I really like that point because <laughs> basically you're uh, taking his, you're like taking a step up a little bit of the concept of what mm-hmm. he's doing where he is uh, addressing theology to the specific uh, incorrect beliefs in his mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. And we do that a lot where mm-hmm. pastors identify and church leaders identify the major lies of the culture and incorrect beliefs. And then they try to address those things. And so yeah. I think that's a really good point to draw out. I would also say I, I'm encouraged by the trajectory of church history and how we aren't always dealing with the exact same issues. Uh, in the first couple hundred years of the church, the Trinity was the primary focus of their conversation, understanding who God is and the nature of the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was the main focus in the first couple hundred years of the church. And while I think that we we don't talk about that enough now, and you started out your video saying, like, we need to understand who God is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for us to have that focus in our preaching is helping people understand who God is and who is the son, what is the gospel, uh, who is the Holy Spirit. That's stuff that we don't need to depart from too much. But on the other hand, a lot of those conversations have been had and have been settled within the Christian church. And so we're able to move on to different conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's encouraging to kind of see the way the church has, like most everybody is going to be able to affirm the Trinity and have a basic understanding without really having to debate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard for us to relate to that being debated, I guess, or like debatable. Good. Uh, any other theological thoughts before we move on to the method? Um, I mean, the second point of Jesus the Son is really the the gospel, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the gospel needs to be yeah. present in our preaching. Mm-hmm. I think most of us would be able to easily affirm that. I'd never heard the new Mary, new tree thing. Mm. Dr. Bounds talked about that in the fall at the Harvest Fall Renewal Conference. Oh. And so that was new for Maybe I, most everybody. I guess they're... I have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I need to listen to those again. <laughs> so as far as using, I don't know, this as a way to communicate things to congregation or just the whole methodology behind this, what were your thoughts? Well, I, my initial thought was there needs to be, that'd be great if there's an entire series on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like you could, I mean, a YouTube channel is, comes to mind. You could just do a YouTube channel that was hitting different ancient, like uh, early church works and explaining them briefly like that. Mm. Or a small group series, which was developed with maybe, I don't know exactly how you'd want to do it. If it would be a book each time or a specific individual, you could do mm. Irenaeus as a man that'd be like, a fun series right and then it was like <laughs> Irenaeus you could do a 15 minute or 20 minute explanation on him you could even go up to 30 minute if it was a small group session and then have discussion questions uh in a workbook or something like that so being able to develop it with a video teaching that kind of goes through is i think mm. would be phenomenal mm. that's what you mean by method like the method of delivery that we just saw mm-hmm. from you mm-hmm. oh okay yeah, I mean, it's definitely more digestible, I guess. And 
accessible. Mm-hmm. But some of the content is, I, mean, I guess that's not really the method. So, but yeah, some of the content I still feel like I'm lacking in the understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes to this episode to the full book if anybody wants to read it. Like I said, it's quite short. It's really more of a letter. Hmm. One thing that I have actually since my worship class mm-hmm. at Asbury have thought would be a, a cool thing to do would be on All Saints Sunday each year to have that as a sermon that's oriented around a specific Christian, like influential mm. Christian leader from, from church history. So mm. you could have a, a sermon around mm. George Mueller or John Wesley or a missionary or somebody, and it would yeah. be kind of that as an orientation around that person. Then you'd have one someday a year where people are learning the life of a a faithful Christian. And you're also Mm. building it into the Christian calendar. Yeah. And so that's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I feel like just one a year is not enough. It's it's not a lot, but right now we do zero (laughs) a year. So, right. I mean, sometimes people try to work it into a sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you could do a series in the fall um, if you wanted to. If you want to do around the All Saints time, yeah, you could do like the week before and after also, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I just wonder, um, like I said, it, it ended up being way more work than if I would have just written yeah. the... Than just writing? <laughs> yeah. Because you basically wrote and then had to do everything else on top of that. Yeah, exactly. And when I first started, I thought that I could just make bullet points Uh, And essentially just record myself and kind of go off memory. But what I found when I tried to record myself is I was going back and forth between reading quotes and then just trying to talk from memory. And I think if I did one or the other, it would work. You know, like obviously for this podcast, we don't have anything written. We're just talking off our head. But the going back and forth, it messed with my brain. I could not do it. And I just had to give up. And like you said, Daniel, I just had to write the whole <laughs> book report and then film it all reading it. So that's why it's Paul, that's why it's so hard to do the at the movies filming. That's exactly the same problem. Oh yeah. Interesting. Uh where when we're filming the sermon series at the movies, mm-hmm. we've written out a lot of it, but we're also being recorded. So there's this combination of specific lines and bullet points in scripture. Mm. then you're also trying to make it natural like a normal sermon and right. it's it's mm. a, there's a big learning curve yeah you're like giving the sermon yeah. to uh-huh in segments that's a good point yeah that is very similar to this so then what what motivated you to keep doing it and then instead of to just stop with okay well now i've written it here it is probably because you already asked the professor if he could do it <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could change your mind is it because you're more thinking future projects Yeah, even though it was a big pain and took up way too much time, I just felt like I was learning a lot from the process. Mm. And so, yeah, it felt kind of like, am I stewarding my time well to use to be doing all this for this Mm. assignment? But I was actually learning a lot from the process. Um, So I just went ahead with it. Um, But I do wonder if it is practical, like if I was in a pastoral role, Mm. It it takes a lot of time. I would have to get it down more efficiently. And, yeah. I, and I think you could mm. certainly do that. Like, obviously, the more you do stuff like this, the the more b- comfortable it becomes and the better you get at it. Um, but I do think, like, overall, I think a much larger percentage of 
an average congregation would watch a monthly update like this than would read a newsletter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that. Which to me, it's funny because evidently most people are like that, but Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the opposite. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Like, I feel like sitting through a video is so much slower than just reading something. Mm Mm-hmm. If you heard me laugh in the middle of listening to it, it's because I was switching it to 1.25 speed and I accidentally <sighs> switched it to just 0.25 speed. And so you started going uh-huh. like, <laughs> <laughs> I almost always, when I'm listening to almost any kind of podcast or teaching, do 1.5 or two. Yeah. I only do it if I don't really like, care about (laughs) like if i really i don't know it's like if i'm used to their voice sounding a certain way then i don't like it being suddenly different Mm -hmm. but -hmm. if it's someone who's like yeah who's this person i don't know just go make it go faster Mm -hmm. (laughs) cool well thank you for both taking the time to uh process some of this with me hopefully the listeners find this interesting um like i said i know this is kind of just a shorter maybe side episode yeah this sounds like it's more of a like beta test for a new project <laughs> i have just felt like since i had cre- you know created this whole thing instead of just sending it to my professor to never be seen again why not share it with you two <laughs> and also the listeners and expose people to this uh one of the church fathers <laughs> yep and get your thoughts on the method too for my own sake yeah, that's good. So thanks for taking the time. So what will we talk about next time? I have a few ideas um, from classes. Um, mm-hmm. In one of my classes, we've been just talking a lot about discipleship, discipleship methods, and that whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, in the worship class, we've been hitting a lot of good topics, including like covenant, the importance of covenant. Um, right now we're going through the church calendar which I think a church calendar episode would be really fun. It would be fun. I love the All Saints Day idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm very into that holidays type stuff and making new ones and not just like, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say any specific. Okay, Labor Day, I'll put that. Not just like Labor Day where it's just like, we need a break, let's just have a day, but something that's more meaningful. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, we can get to that because I have a Labor Day idea as well. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Sounds like we need to do a church calendar episode later on. Yep. <laughs>